Welcome back to the Bible Brush Up podcast and to the 90 Days of Promise series of reading through the scripture. We are through the book of Joshua, and we have to say goodbye to another strong and courageous leader. Joshua has now died, and the Israelites enter into a new era, and it's an era where they do not have a single figure who is the spokesperson for them, like Moses was and Joshua who succeeded him. But now we have people the whole group, I guess, calling out to the Lord and the Lord answering them in a way that's not really distinguished or defined. And I believe that probably this came through the high priest um, who would have been ministering at the tabernacle set up in Shiloh. Uh, But in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites and fight them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. So we don't know how that communication took place, uh, but prior to this, it was always through these spokespeople, the mouthpiece of God, Moses and Joshua. And so this new era is going to look a little bit different, and we have uh, a very memorable book here before us, the book of Judges, a book that gives us many applicable lessons for life today. And one of the lessons that we are going to take away from this book is the lesson on remembrance. If you recall, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God had commanded that the people of Israel speak about the great activity and mighty works of God with their children night and day and day and night as they're walking, as they're sitting, as they're getting up in the morning. Um, that that uh, portion of scripture called the Shema, where God was giving them a very detailed account of how to pass this information along so that their faith carried over generation to generation. But we don't see that happening in the book of Judges. Uh, In fact, we see each subsequent generation forgetting about God, forgetting the Lord. And because there are foreign gods still present in Israel, that causes the people to be drawn away from Yahweh and to worship these other deities, Asherah and Molech and other gods that were present in the land. And so it's a reminder to us that we can't just assume that the next generation is going to take our faith and run with it. And uh, I'm sure that the Israelites had their practices and their, um, you know, religious um, ceremonies and things of that nature, but that wasn't enough. They needed to do what God had prescribed in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this needed to be very personable, and it needed to be something that was carried on day in and day out. It had to be a part of their everyday life, and it just seems like maybe that's not the case here because each generation seems to forget God, forget His promises, and forget the true way of worshiping Him, and they are uh, swayed to these other religious systems. And when that happens, God upholds his end of the bargain of this covenant agreement about living in the land. He already told them if they did not honor him, if they did not obey him, then they would suffer the consequences of either exile or uh, oppression of other enemies would come in, and God wouldn't protect them anymore, and he wouldn't prosper them. And so there's this cycle, and if, if I could draw a picture for you, it would be sort of like a spiral that works its way down down on the chart that I'm drawing on. It works its way from top to bottom, a spiral, over and over and over again, because we get this repeated theme of the people honoring God, and then drawing away from God, and then there comes the consequences of that failure, and then the people repent, and then they're restored, 
and now they're honoring God again, but then the whole thing happens all over again. They are drawn away from God, and the consequences come. And so we get all these different enemies that are still present in the land, and all of these uh, foreign armies that continue to come in and to oppress and enslave the Israelites because of their repeating failures. They continue to dishonor God, and it usually happens over the span of time. They may have peace for 40 years. They may have peace for, for 80 years. But over that period of time, they're not practicing the Shema. They're not passing on that information about God, and they're not, uh, or either it's just not sticking one way or the other. It's not being rooted in this next generation, and therefore they repeat the offenses of their forefathers. And that's really what this book is about. It shows you over a large chunk of time, hundreds of years, how the Israelites just repeatedly failed to uphold the stipulations of the Ten Commandments and that covenant agreement for living in the land. It really is a book that drives us to the, the point of a kingdom uh, where a king is necessary, um, but even the king isn't going to solve all these problems. We're ultimately going to see here. This is just a snapshot that our sinfulness cannot be overcome through external means. We are desperately in need of someone to come in and to transform our heart. And until our heart is transformed, we just can't uphold a covenant agreement like this. These stipulations are too much for sinful man. This is the doctrine of depravity. We are born in sin. We have sin. We can't help but to sin. And we do not, on our own, honor God. And uh, if Judges doesn't teach us that, I don't know what will. Um, because at the end of the book of Judges, it's the darkest period in Israel's history to date. And evil, evil things are going to be going on. I won't um, jump there. No spoilers here until we get to that por portion of Scripture. But that's one of the lessons, that we just need to be constantly reminding our children and ourselves of God's goodness and what God has done, because we live in a world that would distract us and draw us away from God, and we do not want to come under his discipline. Another lesson we learn in the book of Judges is on sovereignty versus human accountability or free will. Um, in the book of Judges, there are events that are sometimes attributed to God's divine hand, and sometimes they are attributed, those same events, to human agency or free will. And we ask ourselves, which one is it? Because we too often pit one of those against another. We say, well, if God did it, then humans couldn't have been in control and freely doing uh, that same activity if God made it happen, and vice versa as well. If humans were the ones who did it, then it couldn't have been God who did it because it was human free will at work, not divine sovereignty. Uh, but the Jewish mind didn't seem to pit one of those against another, but rather saw them as two sides of the same coin. Going back to the story in Genesis of Joseph being sold into slavery, at the end of Genesis, Joseph says, that the brothers sold him into slavery, and they intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. God actually orchestrated that entire event, even though the humans involved were freely choosing to act evilly. But God was using it for greater purposes. And I think we get that same lesson in the book of Judges as well. In the opening chapters, we see the Israelites failing to drive out the inhabitants of the land like God had commanded them to do. And that is chalked up in chapter 2 as a sin on the part of the Israelites. It, their choice and failure to choose to drive out the inhabitants of the land is a sin. And God 
uh, he condemns them for that. He says in uh, chapter 2, around verse 2, he's, he was describing the covenant that was made and describing that they should not make any covenant with the inhabitants of this land. He says, you shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides and their gods shall be a snare to you. These are the consequences of not driving out the inhabitants of the land. And God is indicating that that was a sinful choice on the part of these Israelite tribes. However, at the end of chapter 2, it says uh, in verse 21, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. And then in chapter 3, you get another purpose of God behind leaving the inhabitants in the land. It says, now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. So God has a couple of purposes in mind as he leaves these other generations in place. And so it's a divine choice to leave them in place, but it's also a human choice to leave them in place and not drive them out. But God's purposes are good and holy, while Israel's purposes are actually evil and disobedient to the command of God. And um, that opens all kinds of other questions. You may ask, well, how could God command them to drive them out when actually he is purposing for them to stay? And could the Israelites have done otherwise? And those are very good questions and difficult questions. But at the end of the day, we do have to recognize that this is God's plan and also a human choice is actively engaged here as well, and it's two sides of the same coin, but God intends it for good. God does not leave them there so that Israel will sin. God does not make Israel sin. They choose to sin, but God does allow the inhabitants to stay in the land for the purpose of teaching them war and uh, to test them. It's sort of like their tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just like Adam and Eve had a tree and they had a test and they failed the test, now the Israelites are going to have their own tree. It's not a literal tree, it's other gods. And some of them are actually wooden poles, so it sort of is a tree. And so are you going to worship at this Asherah pole or are you going to worship Yahweh in the way that he prescribed? And unfortunately, the Israelites fail this test. But for you today, you have a choice to faithfully choose to honor God and to serve God. And uh, we just know and trust that even when we fail him, God is using that for greater purposes. And he's working all things for his glory and all things for good. Um, but don't choose the evil just because you know that. Choose the good because you are held accountable for your choices in life. So we're going to stop there, and we're going to pick up next time on the Bible Brush Up podcast and look at some of the particular judges um, that are ruling over Israel. And we'll see you then on the next episode.